0: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening?
2: Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com. With Adam Prevetta, I'm Derek Johnson, trying to secure my getting hoarser by the moment voice as the week goes on. KU takes down Oklahoma last night, 67-64. to It was an ugly stretch of play for a little there for KU. Um, they got up double digits in the second half. And then they had a stretch where they had two points in an eight-minute period and they were able to shrug it off down four late. O'Jag Baji had no points through the first portion of the game. He gets injured, comes back with the wrist, but he just didn't look right, and then he just caught fire, scores 10 points in the final few minutes of that game. Jalen Wilson had a big game. Christian Brown hits the big three at the end of the game, and then some late-game situation stuff happens. KU comes out on top, and I think regardless of how bad anything looks, because there are obviously questions from that game, uh, what's the deal with Remy Martin? Um, you know, Ocha Baji struggling for the first time, like, uh, is the wrist affecting things, but it ends up, uh, finishing well. Um, you know, you, you didn't get really good interior defensive play in that game. And you did have an eight minute stretch where you only scored two points, regardless of how bad anything looks or a bad stretch of play. If you win in this league on the road this season, that is a big plus. I don't care how it looks.
0: Yeah. With the exception of maybe, I mean, the, it- with the exception of maybe two, maybe I think anywhere, maybe three teams. What? Well, no, I, I was gonna. Yes, I agree. It's a good road win anywhere. But what I was gonna say is, with the exception of two to three teams, um, you, it's a road, it, It's not only a, a good team; it's probably a tournament team. But I do agree that all ten, or I mean, KU is not gonna play themselves, so all nine, a road win anywhere is good. And then of those nine, seven to eight of them are going to be tournament teams. So that that makes it even bigger, um, and, and I think they played a borderline tournament team last night, and they beat them. I mean, Kansas State is the
2: lowest ranked team on Ken Palm in the Big Twelve. They're also tied last. And they in the just Big 12. beat Texas in
0: Austin last night. And
2: the game before that, they beat Texas Tech yeah. at home. So any team you beat in the Big Twelve, honestly, yeah, is good.
0: A good, yeah. We, we came in. Um, I mean, you said on Monday, and I, I didn't. I mean, I it, it by no means was a was a. A, a, a crazy take or anything that you kind of expected Ku to go one and one this week. Uh, now I think you thought that thought you thought that loss would come in Norman. I did, but it wouldn't be. I mean, look, losing in Manhattan this Saturday wouldn't be. Um, it certainly wouldn't be like when the thirteen team lost to TCU in Fort no. Worth. I mean, does you know, it make you
2: feel better though, knowing Kansas State's coming off those wins? Where I I don't know. That's that, I feel like that's a that's a fan or radio host thing to be like, oh you know they they just want a big game so they can't get up as much for the next game yeah I think you know? it's always gonna yeah I
0: think it, it's always going to be like well you know if you if you're more inclined to get to to be positive you'll be like well they're coming off a big win you know it could be a letdown if you're more inclined to be pessimistic you oh man well they're on a roll right now it but the point is is back to what we just said and what you said which is correct is that a road win in this league is a good win Period, mm. um, and I think uh, it, it was kind of similar. Now, I, was KU ever up? They were up multiple scores against Iowa State. Were they ever up double digits? I don't think they ever got it to double digits. I, they did get it to like It was maybe like a eight. three possession game at least mm-hmm. at one point. Um, but yeah, you know that's and that and but KU did get get it to double digits last night, and um, I think it kind of says something. I mean, look they in Stillwater. They went nine minutes without making a field goal. They, they missed 20 in a row, 19 to end the first half, and then one to start the second. So, you know, similar to Stillwater. Uh, maybe it's just something about the state of Oklahoma that there's just dry spells for Kansas when they're on the road. Um, but, the you know, and in both cases, they won. And I think Oklahoma's a better team than Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma does wind up in the, in the NCAA tournament. And I think if you cannot play your best game, come out with a win against a good team on the road, that says a lot about you. A big reason why, Christian Brown hits the big three late in the game. I, no I thanks to a guy trying to
2: distract I him. Was gonna say, I was going to say, I think Christian Brown is the worst guy on KU to try to piss off.
0: And I can't, it was it Gifhawk that, I Scott Chasen retweeted it, but I think it was at Gifhawk that tweeted this video. It, it was a zoomed in video Right before Brown get was it who got the assist? Ochai got the assist on that, yeah. right? Ochai kicks it off to Brown, and there's somebody. And, and Oklahoma's arena is set, is set up similar to an NBA arena. That if you're in the front row, your your feet are on the court, and so there's not like a table like at Allen Fieldhouse. If you're in the very front row, there's a table in between you and the players. That's not the case at the Lloyd Noble Center. So there are these three or four guys on their feet. The guy didn't touch, you know, Christian Brown or anything, but he kind of leaned in and, yeah, I don't know if he yelled shot or, you know, but he clearly was trying to distract him. We all know Brown cans the three. Um, As I said, if you want to go, Scott Chasen retweeted it. That's how it came to my attention. So if you want to go check out his timeline, it should still be on there. The guy leans in, clearly says or yells something to distract Brown, is unsuccessful. He's either unsuccessful or at the worst, if you're an Oklahoma fan, he made him better. Um, and Brown was like Reggie Miller looking back at Spike <laughs> Lee in Madison Square Garden. Um, I mean, dead on straight at it. Yeah. Um, and it was, we were talking before the show when you mentioned that Christian Brown is the guy you don't want to piss off. Somebody needs to make a, a, a meme uh, photoshopping Christian Brown into Michael Jordan's um, spot where he says, I took that personally. Because <laughs> he's, he's perfect for it. Dude, he doesn't, I mean... He doesn't like it. It's, and that makes and him, it's awesome.
2: I think that makes him super endearing to the fan base too.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, especially I mean, if if you get a guy who Yeah, absolutely, who who plays angry, uh, and he plays angry. Um, yeah, I think that I think they're gonna like him any, even more, especially when you factor in that he kind of was and, and let's be honest, probably because he came in as um a white kid from a Kansas school. A lot of people thought Tyrell Reed, which they thought, okay, probably just going to be a shooter, and he's proven to be much more than that. And Tyrell Reed could defend, too, don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong. But Tyrell Reed offensively primarily was a shooter. He did very famously get a one-handed dunk against Texas in the 2011 Big 12 title game. But um, Brown has evolved um, into somebody much more than a shooter offensively. Yeah. Do you think late in that game,
2: as we're talking about kind of this this end of game stuff, after the Christian Brown three, yep. Bill Self ended up, because um, they said in the, the post game people weren't sure. Like, did they intend to foul or not? There was like 12 or so seconds left on the clock. Christian Brown was kind of going for a steal, and he got called for the reach-in foul, and it sent Oklahoma to the line, which is basically like, okay, you're up three. Basically, they're fouling here. They said after the game, the intent was to foul there. They were going to foul and not let them shoot a three. But what happened was they told the official in the huddle, they said, hey, we're going to try to foul here, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And it was just kind of an unfortunate situation where Christian was wrapped around the guy trying to get a reach in, wasn't trying to foul there. They were going to try to foul later. With, there was with still a lot a of more time, time left. Or less time left, yeah. But I, I think that's interesting um, because the idea clearly was to foul. I wonder... Because Bill Self, we've heard this before, whether it's with junk defenses or whatnot, or we've heard it with, you know, um, I remember he had a comment, I think this was a year or two ago, talking about if 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 you're like one of our classic teams and we said you have the option to either have the ball down one or defend, or defend up one, yeah. what would you choose? And he said some of our better teams would choose the one where you're up one and you need to stop defensively, I would
0: think he would choose that yes, for some of yes. because If you ask players, oh, players always want the chance to score,
2: of course. Um, but that's that's his take on it, yeah. right? Um, the identity of the team that way, and and I'm not saying that that him fouling up three is an indication that like he just thinks the defense is super soft or anything. But there is a part of me that does think that. I would and. Hope- I I kind of wonder like if that was as much of an indication as anything that he's steering into the idea this has to be an offensive team.
0: That could be it it yeah maybe it's just specific to this team but I I what I hope is that he's evolving. Because to me that was that has been the in my mind and look any problem you have with the coaching ability of Bill Self is a first world problem. Um you know any 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 program in the country would love to have bill self and just have the minor little criticisms of, or, or critique. So, um, keeping in mind that any criticism of self is a small one. I do think one of my most consistent criticisms of him has been, he's, he's unwillingness to foul up three. I remember it, it, it didn't, it didn't wind up mattering because KU did hold and look to credit to Self's credit. His job is to be correct on these things and KU held, but I remember, um, in 2020, uh, Ku was up three uh, at the end of the game in Waco and didn't foul. And and look, it worked out. The game did not go to overtime. Ku won in regulation. They won by three, so it worked out just fine. So in that sense, he was correct because things worked out for Ku. Um, but I, I part of me's hoping maybe he's just adapting. But yes, I, I think it could also. It's equally as likely that he's not adapting his entire philosophy he's just being realistic about what this team is yeah and I know there have been some studies
2: from Ken Palm out there about in college basketball like there's not that much of a difference between whatever your strategy is but I do wonder like I think part of that has to come back to are you playing a good three-point shooting team are you not and stuff I think part of the decision that came in there was the fact that it was a one and one with the free throws. Like it wasn't as for sure two free throws. Yeah. I'm sure that played into it. And also I'm sure it played into it. Like who was going to get the free throws again. They didn't mean to foul when they fouled. They were going to try to foul later. They happened to foul the guy who's an 85% free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. If the ball gets in the hands of somebody else. Maybe they foul in a different situation. I I just thought that was interesting for, like you said, a guy that has not really um, prescribed to that notion about fouling late with your team up three. But as, as far as the biggest takeaway from the game, I don't know what it is for you. I mean, you could argue it's the Remy Martin saga continuing on. You could argue it's Christian Brown hitting the late shots or Ochai uh, coming back and and being okay that he's not injured and playing so well down the stretch. And I I will say, the way Ochai played down the stretch, that's what a National Player of the Year does. That's what Frank Mason did, right? I remember the comments from Brad Underwood when he was at Oklahoma State. He said after after KU beat Oklahoma State now in Fieldhouse, and they had to kind of make some plays late. Frank Mason uh, was phenomenal. And he said, "That guy just doesn't let them lose." Yeah, and that that was Ochai last night. But I think for me, and, and you can pick something else if you want. I, I don't know if you agree with this. Jalen Wilson continuing to play well, yeah, and, and play really well. We, honestly, like we, that—that's the number one story for me.
0: Yeah, we said Monday how big of a deal it was that he he's done it two out of three games now. Now this is three out of four, and we we said you know with with something like this, the only thing that can can make you more comfortable is, is him doing it multiple times. So all's we can, all's we have right now is his whole non-con and three of the last four games. And the only way we can get more comfortable in relying on Jalen Wilson to be what he's shown in the last four, three of the last four games is for him to continue to do it. But as of this moment or as of last night, he continues to do it. Um, I, I like, I, I like the Ochai one. I, I actually didn't give Ochai enough credit in my sports update. I record those at night and then I, I send them in and, and, uh, Colsey programs, them in and they, they run during the morning. I said that Ochai left the game with an injured hand in the first half and returned to score 10 in the second half. But as you pointed out, a lot of those, it wasn't just the second half. It was, you know, toward the end of the game, um, and, yeah, he had plays. He was in on so many of those big plays. He hit a couple of big threes. He hit a big layup, uh, which his speed is just amazing mm-hmm. right now. Um, on the topic of Frank Mason, he's taller and longer than Frank Mason, but that quickness to get to the rim is is, is really damn good. Um, and, and then so he, he he had two big threes. He had that big drive and layup. And then he would, he had the, the assist that turned out to be the, the thing that put it away. Yeah. Um, well, not not put it away but that that christian brown's three made it 65-62 right was it 65, say, yeah, the, yeah, the right,
2: 65 yeah yeah because the final score was 67-64 yeah okay so
0: he so he was in on um one of the you know all of the of the biggest plays over the course of the last 2 minutes or so except for i guess i can't remember who made the two free throws late to make it to get it to 67 um but regardless i think it was christian again okay so, and, Onions, and, and then Ochai had the assist on Christian's three. So, I mean, he, he was there, he, you know, he, his his, his name was all over the end of that game. And, you know, I think to have to go from, cause you know, when you have a player like that, you know, even if he stays on the ground for more than a three seconds, you start going Oh, yeah. you start picturing the season. Um, and then. Last night, not only did he stay on the ground, he went into the locker room. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he to come out and did and do what he did. That that's the biggest takeaway for me. And then, of course, um, I've said it, you know, too many times, um, but I, I still think it. You cannot overstate winning, beating a good team on the road is is really hard to do. And again, KU did that last night. Mm-hmm.
2: The thing, by the way, is uh, we talked about Jalen yesterday, and we mentioned. Some of the split numbers between him being a starter off the bench, that continues with the split kind of going complete opposites there. Uh, I mentioned some of his efficiency numbers in conference only games so far. He's shooting 16 of 18 his last four games now from two. He is at 74% in conference games from two, 40% on conference games from three. He still leads all Big 12 players in effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage in conference only games. He's been remarkable and as we kind of talked about yesterday, is there a big difference between him being a starter and coming off the bench? Is, is there a mentality thing? I'm going to take this one further. Is there a difference for Jalen Wilson when Remy Martin is and isn't playing? That Yeah,
0: I mean, that because that, those have coincided, you know, with, with him starting. Or could it be a
2: style of play thing?
0: Yeah, that could very well be, and, and that goes back to you know, a few different times, whether it be with McCormick and, and Lightfoot starting over McCormick. Uh, but a few different times this year already, we've brought up that story of, of um, self saying Mickelson or Landon Lucas and, and the rest of the team saying, we, we think it flows better with Lucas and that's who he goes with. Um, maybe there's something to that. And I I don't know, it, 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 you know, there's so many different things that could be, and, and, it probably it's a combination of things, but there's so many things that could go, go into what we've seen with Jalen. Is he playing better because he's starting? Or did Self see him, see something about him in practice that led to him thinking he's going to start playing better and therefore he had him starting? Or is it the Remy effect or the lack of Remy effect? Um, and, and all of those things are in play right now, and I don't think we find out anything definitive until Remy comes back and, and plays a little more.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right with that. Um, As you look at what both players do, you know, when Jalen's right, I mentioned those numbers at shooting twos. He's able to get into the teeth of the defense. He's a creator. They're different because Remy's shiftier. And Remy can, I think, create more in like an isolation setting. Yeah. Um, but both players are almost like offensive Initiators, drivers for you a little bit. I think that they can play together. I don't think it is that. I I think it is more of a correlation between the mental side of things being a starter and also just starting to play better, and then that leading to more confidence. I think that's two ways that you gain more confidence, and he's just playing better, and maybe he was just never due to play as bad as he was all season long.
0: So if it is if it is the starting factor, like you, I think Jalen and Remy can both survive together. Do you, so, but based on since you think. It it's it, the starting factor is playing into it and, and growing his confidence. Would you, if Remy, let's say Remy gets to 100%, mm-hmm. is, he all, is he still out of the starting lineup? That's the problem. Like I think they can survive together when they're both on the court in
2: that sense, but can they survive together in terms of both being starters? Because... But then, but then it, you'd have to take Dewan exactly, out of the starting lineup. Exactly. If you're, if you're starting both, Dewan's out of the starting lineup. And I don't think Bill Self wants to do that. He trusts Dewan. DeWan is just a winning player, right? And he also
0: might be the most his and, and he might also be the most trustworthy defensive player yeah. on this team.
2: Exactly. So it's like I don't think we're gonna ever get to a point where that will be the starting lineup, which means one of those two guys is gonna have to start thriving off the bench. Yeah. And
0: I And I don't know if either one can. I well, I yeah, and, and what we've seen, we hope I mean I would think I I personally wouldn't want to risk. I don't necessarily believe that it's Jalen Wilson starting has given him the confidence to play how he's playing. I don't necessarily believe it, but I'm certainly not dismissing it, and I'm certainly not willing to risk it enough to put him back on the bench, and 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 take him out of the starting lineup. Oh, 100 percent. So to me, the the answer becomes of who do you who do you have to play off the bench? To me, it's Remy. Yeah. I think so, and from what we've seen,
2: whether it's an injury thing, because he – um, he, we, have, we have a quote from Bill Self here that we're going to play in a second. I just want to preface this by saying, you know, there were some writers I saw that said Remy was, you know, stretching out the knee and stuff on the sideline in that long stretch in the second half where he wasn't playing. But even though maybe it was bugging him a little bit, and there were times where it did look like maybe he was a little hesitant, now is that because he was hurt, or is that because he's trying to protect himself – because he knows things aren't going well and he knows the nba draft is is coming up i don't know but here is what bill self had to say he doesn't sound too pleased about the whole situation in the post game
1: he looked like he had practiced in two or three weeks uh, uh, or practiced much uh, but you know he tried to do i thought tried to do too much early and uh, turned it over and didn't play very smart and and the second half, uh, uh, I just thought we'd be better off going with the guys that were out there. Do you know how his knee held out for he anything? I, I assume fine. I, I don't. Nobody told me anything different. So, so he
2: doesn't sound pleased with him. There doesn't sound pleased with this, and it doesn't sound like the reason he wasn't playing. Even though the injury might have impacted how much Remy Martin trusted the knee and was was playing hard on it. It didn't impact Self's decision not to play him. Yeah. And I think that's very important there in realizing that in in knowing for a couple reasons. One, back to this conversation, it doesn't sound like he's close to getting into the starting lineup for me. And I think also it really just makes you wonder, like, what is going on here?
0: Yeah, I'll say this. I I think it it could be a good sign. How can I put this? Um, I think if if Self my so my initial thought was does self think and I want to be clear I'm, I'm not reporting this I'm purely speculating but it, it had crossed my mind I wonder if self is frustrated with Remy that he thinks maybe he's more capable of playing through this than Remy has shown lately but now I want to back off of that theory because self said last night he thinks he's doing too much so he didn't, and look, I think if Self believes a player is playing a little too softly, he, he's not shy about saying that publicly. Um, and so I, I do I do wonder now if, if he is frustrated with Remy, and he sounded frustrated with Remy, but I think that I, at this point now I'm backing off my initial theory, and I think that his frustration is stemming from just flat, um, questionable decision making not so much I- any sort of being too soft to play through anything I don't believe that's the case really anymore I think as as self said he he's just frustrated with him because as he said it looks like he hasn't practiced in two or three weeks
2: yeah so uh this will be fun to monitor I guess over the coming games coming weeks with what his role will be and where everything fits in the hierarchy, who's starting, whatnot. It feels like we're almost back to square one. All right, with Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson. Jesse Newell joined the show in about 12 minutes from right now. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. You're listening to RCST with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com. We're joined now, as always, on Wednesdays by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star and Kansas City com, or you can check out all his work. Talking about game last night against Oklahoma, uh, Jesse, was that the best down the stretch execution game this season for KU? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, it had to be up among the top. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I know I wrote about at least another one this year, but that's sort of what Bill Self teams do, right? I mean, he's got these great plays. He has his players drilled. They obviously go through these things in practice and are ready, but. Um, it was weird. Daniel Bill Self even talked about it, where KU went from being really good with execution to like being really bad with execution, and then in the most important moments, being just—you don't hear Bill Self say very often—but he said that they were perfect. They perfectly executed down the stretch, and they really needed it. You know, they were down, and um, they need to score almost every possession. And Abaji gets back-to-back back threes. Uh, obviously, he gets to the rim on the same play that he got to the rim against Iowa State with, and got to the free throw line and scored two free throws against. Oklahoma last night he got all the way and scored a layup and then you know Christian Brown just made a tough shot uh Oklahoma kind of surprised KU with that 141 zone they were going to run something a little bit different and sometimes you just need a player to make a play and Christian Brown rose up made a play and then I talked to some of his friends uh, OU fans there on the <laughs> sideline after he made it so that was uh that was really impressive by KU down the stretch and those are the sorts of games that KU wins when they typically win the Big 12 it's the ones that uh, you forget about down the stretch, but you look up and KU's final Big 12 record is either 14 and 4 or 15 and 3, and it's because those games, when other teams might be taking losses, KU finds a way to get wins, and uh, that's what this team has been good at so many years under Bill Self, and that's what they're really good at last night too.
2: One guy notably missing from the end of that game was one Remy Martin, and Bill Self in the post game, I, I played the audio in the open. He didn't uh, sound too thrilled with. Uh, Remy's play, I guess, would be a nice way of putting it, and we didn't see him at the end of that game. Uh, What are kind of your expectations at this point about, I don't know, this whole Remy Martin saga and and what KU can and needs to get out of Remy the rest of the way?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think you start here. I just mentioned how Bill Self wins Big 12 championships, and I mentioned how KU usually wins these close games when other teams might not. Uh, what's made Bill Self a Hall of Fame coach? What's made him, uh, what made streak, you know, 14 straight years? What, what, what made him so dominant in the Big 12? Some coaches are not as laser-focused on every single game. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, you can do some things in-game that are better for the long vision of your team, better for the long ball, uh, things that you think will help you down the road, uh, and you might lose the game. Bill Self is on the complete other spectrum. Um, he, every single game he gets into, he is going to pull every lever, push every button, do everything in his power to win that game. So, Remy, in this instance, uh, I 100% believe Bill Self. Remy was not one of the best players for Kansas to win that game out of the stretch, the starters were, the guys that have played together so much lately. Uh, so, it's I think this really was something where Remy was trying to get back in the flow. KU was in a close game. KU was trailing. Phil Self was going to do everything in his power to win the basketball game and obviously it worked out for Kansas. I do think Remy was rusty, you know, and, and he, still Self talked about, hey, you miss practice. You only, you know, don't go through the drills disguise, guys. You lose a little bit of that um, chemistry. And, and it, it seemed to show last night. So I, I I don't think there's too much more to read into this other than Bill Self was trying to win the game, just like he's tried to win every game in his 19-year tenure at Kansas. And maybe some other coaches would have left Remy out there. Maybe some other coaches would have looked for the long term and said, hey, need to get him more minutes. If It's a loss. It's a loss. You know, whatever the case may be. But that's just not what Bill Self does. Uh, He goes out there to win, and he goes out there to win conference championships. And he obviously puts a great emphasis on that because he's been really good at that over the years. So, Um, I think Remy just needs to, um, you know, it's been a battle all year to get him to figure out exactly how he fits into this team earlier in the year. He shot too much later in the year, he became too unselfish. And, uh, last night they kind of went back to the old Remy where he was probably shooting out of the flow of the offense and and doing things and trying a little bit too hard. So he'll figure it out. I think (laughs) eventually, if he doesn't, obviously, he's got the players they can go to. But at this moment, moment in time, I just think that purely was a win-the-game play by Bill Self. And based off his history, that doesn't go against anything in his personality or anything we've seen from him during his 19 years or more.
2: Do you think there is a correlation between something with Jalen Wilson? We, we were looking at this yesterday. There's a big difference between uh, games that he... Uh, started the game on the bench versus started the game as a starter, whether there's a correlation there with, I don't know, maybe a mental view of the game, or maybe is there a correlation between Jalen playing better? Uh, maybe it's not just the bench starter thing. Maybe it's a correlation of with Remy Martin not playing as big of a role. Like, is there? Is there, I guess, uh, I don't know, enough for both of these guys to thrive at the same point in time? Because if we're thinking about it, and this goes back to the starter conversation, if Remy's starting, who are you taking out of the starting lineup? Is it Is it Jalen Wilson, but he's playing so well right now? Um, is it Dewan Harris? I don't know, maybe, but it seems like Bill Self trusts him so much. So I guess, what do you amount to Jalen's turnaround, and, and how much do you think of a possibility is it that both Jalen and Remy can contribute at a high level at the same time? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. And uh, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm going to pull up these uh I guess these Jalen Wilson splits, you can look up at evanmia.com. It's a really cool site. You can get lost in it quite a bit just um, to, to see like schedule adjusted. How do teammates play together? How do they play off of each other? And so uh, I pulled up Jalen Wilson right now uh, and, and looked at the players that he's played with so far this season. The top teammate in terms of team efficiency margin, the top teammate that he plays with out there is Remy Martin. So, <laughs> uh, I, I think at least that to me would indicate that you could probably put that one to rest a little bit that him and Remy don't get along on the court or don't have that sort of chemistry. I think i more look at it in the opposite term. Um, a, a couple of things. Uh, Jalen just started off shooting the ball so poorly. And, and as much as Bill doesn't want to make that a big part of anybody's game or have that get in their head. I mean, two for 23 from three is still two for 23 from three. I mean, at some point, Um, it's like the guy that's in a slump and you look up at the scoreboard and you're hitting 195 and and you're just clawing so desperately to get a two-up as the first number on your average. You know, whether we love average or not or whether that's a real thing or not um, or or something that players can pay attention to, it's what shows up on the scoreboard. So obviously, if you know you're struggling, it's something you want to make go away. So the fact he's making shots, I think, helps him. I do think mentally it seems like starting has, has benefited him and given him some confidence. I think the biggest thing to me is that he seems to be more content, happy, willing to coexist with Dave McCormick on the court. Because if you look back at their history, um, those are the two guys that really haven't played well together for very long stretches over the course of their careers. Remember, you remember when Dave was struggling really bad last year, Jalen was playing the five, and Jalen played really well. He could drive that five spot. He could score at the rim, all those sorts of things. And then Dave started to pick it up. And Jalen started to struggle toward the end of the year, kind of trying to figure out what his role was at the four. And you look at earlier this year, okay, well, obviously, again, to get off the hot start, but he comes back in the lineup, and um, sometimes was are trying to force feed Dave inside. Um, sometimes Dave can clog up some of his driving lanes when he goes in there. So there was just sort of a uh, – it didn't really fit for a while, I think, with him and Dave McCormick. But that seems to have flipped the last three games. I mean, when Dave puts up a shot, Jalen goes to the weak side glass, grabs the offensive rebound, and puts it in. When Dave gets the rebound, he chucks it over to Jalen, who hits a short jumper or a crazy pass last night where David had it in the post and threw him a bounce pass on the opposite side to the corner where he hit a three. So uh, those two guys seem to be liking each other, pointing to each other, feeding off of each other. And I, I just think that's something that really hasn't happened until the last three games, or at least hasn't been as noticeable until the last three games, where those two guys seem to really enjoy being on the court together. Um, So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. To me, the person you take out of the starting lineup if Remy comes back and earns that spot is DeJuan Harris. Um, I I think DeJuan Harris doesn't care about that very much. I think he would be fine coming off the bench. And, frankly, I think he hasn't played that well lately. He missed so many close shots yesterday that could have helped push Kansas to a a greater advantage than it had. And, um, you know, for being a limited offensive player, when you get layups, you got to make them. And uh, DeJuan really struggled with that last night. Obviously, it's a big one against Iowa State, but he needs to do a little bit more offensively to absolutely prove he needs to be in the starting lineup and also absolutely prove he should be in the game as many minutes as he's gotten so far.
0: Do you have a general rule with with Jalen? This kind of, at least from impacting the game from a box score standpoint, it's been three of the last four. Do you have kind of a general rule of when it goes from, okay, this is a hot stretch to this is who he really is? Because the majority of the season is still – him struggling, but his most recent performances has been really good. Do you have an idea of, of kind of, okay, now we can declare this is a little more real than what we saw at the start?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, when you're looking at stats and as um, data points, all that stuff, you, you kind of want to take the greatest sample. Uh, you you want to take the most into account, and um, I'm sure you guys have the audio of it, but I asked myself a couple weeks ago when Jalen was 2 of 23 from 3. I said, what, you know, does that change anything? You know, does a guy that's struggling this much, does it change anything? And I thought Bill Self gave a really good answer. He said, look, for KU to be at best, Jalen has to play well. And I know what he's capable of. And I know what his feeling is. And I know he can reach it. So it's a matter of not just sort of siloing yourself or, or pigeonholing yourself into only looking at a couple games or only looking at this. I mean, it's a matter for Bill Self of looking at the whole picture and saying, you know, there's a reason that Jalen Wilson declared pro and thought about going pro. You know, there's a reason that you look last year and some of KU's best games were when Jalen Wilson was um, rebounding and then obviously uh, able to get to the rim and, and score inside and get to the free throw line. And so um, there's enough trust level there, enough sample size there to think that, hey, he can't get out of this. Some of this seems to be his head, especially with the free throw shooting, stuff like that, that when, when he does pull out of it, he can be a better player than he has been so far. And uh, so you, you, you trust. You know, whatever it is, you trust 44 games over two games. You trust 44 games over four games. And uh, I think Bill Self did a good job of keeping the big picture in mind here. And I think Dan Wilson deserves credit for pulling himself out, even though, again, it did take a while uh, into this season for him to kind of pull out of those doldrums and and make himself into a player that now can is now on the court a majority of the time.
2: The KU defense at times last night struggled with Oklahoma. And I know you talked about in your Quick Scout ahead of the game how good Oklahoma was at getting cuts and open lanes to the rim for easy points. And they were coming into that game. They were shooting over 60% on twos for the course of the season, which was one of the best marks in the entire country. So if you want to view it as a, you know, positive for KU, you could say you held them to 9% below their average on two-point shots, but you could also say there were times when KU's defense was Leaving some openings. Uh, what would you make of the KU defense last night? And how much does all of this conversation with the defense revolve around David McCormick has to be good so that he can be in there to give you more rim protection?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, I wrote about that about a week ago, but yeah, the numbers bear out, and I talked about EvanMia.com. I didn't you know, get encourage people. To go surf on that because there's so many numbers you can look at but he's been better when days in there i mean that's just the bottom line and a lot of that goes back to the defense he's been the most impactful defensive player they have and i think a lot of that makes logical sense if you think about it just he's a big dude in the lane you know he's a guy that if you're trying to drive into him even if he's not an elite elite shot blocker he's somebody to think about uh when you go in there and so you're right ku held uh, oklahoma to below its two point percentage uh, a lot of oklahoma what they do is it's really tough to guard you know they they back cut, uh, they pull up, you know, Tanner Groves at the five position out of the lane to kind of clear those angles, that sort of thing. And uh, they try some risky passes, but if they complete those risky passes, you're going to get a layup at the rim. And that's why their two point percentage is so high. Um, if we're in a safe space here, I, I honestly think they you got really lucky last night. I, I mean, I do. I, careful. I think, they got, I think they got lucky. Um, Oklahoma four for 17 from three. And some of those looks from Tanner Groves, especially were wide open. Uh, And you look at KU's numbers, and I know, I mean, the luck numbers, or the luck word is not anything that anybody wants to hear from me, but uh, Big 12 games so far, KU's opponents have shot 25.6% from three, and we just know over time that defenses sometimes have some control over that, but there's no way they have that much control over that. So for Kansas, that that number's coming up, and it's coming up, and so uh, we'll see how it impacts Kansas moving forward, but... They definitely got a little bit of fortune last night when Oklahoma missed those three-point shots.
0: Real quick, I just want to jump in. Let's just declare Grove shooting last night a great correction to how well he shot in the first round of the tournament last year. We'll just say <laughs> that's what that's about. We'll say that.
1: Yeah, I was talking with Gary Bedore on the way out, and I said that. I said, look, Tanner Tanner has made a, a career's worth of three-pointers against Kansas already, so maybe this was you know, the regression to the mean.
2: Uh, by the way, Jesse, now that you have upset KU fans – um, uh, I, let's bring up some Auburn fans. Um, oh. I think you approached this the wrong way. Instead of sharing your process with them and, and trying to you know um plead about how you do things and and try to get them to actually logically understand, you should have just cut to the chase and told them that you married Auburn on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Kiss Mary
1: Kill. Oh, my God. Can you get that audio and put it up? I need to retweet that. <laughs> Seriously, this will, man, I'll get so many more memes out of that. That'll be amazing. Uh, if you find it and post it, uh, you've got an automatic retweet coming from this account.
2: All right. We'll try to find it for you. Uh, this week for Kiss, Mary, Kill, Wisconsin, Providence, and Loyola, Chicago.
1: Oh, man. I can't kill two of them? Um... <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of a lot of those fan bases uh, don't like me. I guess I'll marry Loyola Chicago. Um, They're a team that I've always been higher on than most because the efficiency numbers love them. And Porter Moser left Oklahoma, but a lot of his principles remain with him at Loyola Chicago um, and what they do offensively. So I really like their team. I guess I'll kiss Wisconsin because I at least put them in my top twenty-five poll this week. Even though I think they're fifth uh, according to other voters, I think they're twenty-third for me. But they are the close game specialists. They win every single close game. Uh, that's not going to hold up over time. So um, they can enjoy their kiss from me because it's not going to be a long-term relationship. <laughs> and uh, I absolutely will kill Providence. They are the kings of the close game victories. And uh, they're they going to be a team that is going to look so much better at 14-2 and two with their record and their resume than they will with the underlying statistics. So not a believer in Providence. And I think I'm on very safe ground with that because that close game luck uh, just like Wisconsin's, is going to come to
2: an end very soon. All right, Jesse, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam.
0: All right, uh, for the record, I'd like to let any listeners know that One Last Thing is a sponsorable segment. Uh, Jesse, one <laughs> one last thing. We know you're a fan of Ken Palm, and this is information you can get via his website. Who is currently the top uh, men's curling team in the world?
1: Oh, ha. Huh. So I'm going to have to guess because that is not a site I go to under Ken Palm, even though people think that I'm basically on his site 23 hours and 59 minutes a day. So, you know, who would be good at curling? I'm going to say Canada.
0: You are correct. They are Canadian, I guess. Ah! I should have have specified the way he has. And for those who don't know, and and I'm sure Jesse's seen it because even though he doesn't spend – 23 hours and 59 minutes a day. He, he does visit it. Anybody who visits uh, Ken Palm can see up in the top left-hand cur- uh, corner, there's a little curling stone. If you click on that, it randomly takes you to the World Curling Men's. But he goes it by each individual team, not just the country. Mm. They are Canadians. It is a gentleman. Their, I guess, captain or whatever is a gentleman called Brad Gushu or Gushu. Anyway, he is Canadian, so I'll give that one to you. Good job.
1: Uh, I can't believe I pulled that off. But, uh, yeah, that was a shot in the dark. But uh, our friend from the north, I, I think, uh, you know, that was at least a decent guess.
2: All right, here's Jesse Newell. Check out all his work in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. Jesse, thank you so much for the time, as always, man.
1: I right, appreciate it, guys.
2: Get that uh, little video clip up, that audio clip up. I need to hear it. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, one hour down, two to go with Adam Dervetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up at the 4 o'clock hour, around the world with Adam, we'll talk a little Chiefs as well and do an NFL segment. This is RCST. Four o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravet. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com. Later tonight, we've got Hawk Talk switching over to KU Women's Basketball for the entirety of the Hawk Talk. You can listen to it on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. But it is four o'clock on a Wednesday, which means it's time to circle the globe and go around the world with Adam.
0: All right, we're going to start out uh, in the ocean. Uh, Mm -hmm. This courtesy of UPI. Um, you know, we all—well, not all of us. A lot of people, uh, when they're young, sometimes even when they're older, uh, experiment with various controlled substances. Um, I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna condone anything illegal, but I will mm-hmm. say that um, I won't judge you because I myself have participated in such things. And you know who else is joining us in—or uh, in, joining? Humans in experimenting with controlled substances mm-hmm. uh, to get themselves a little high. Who? Dolphins. Oh, dolphins are thought dolphins of are very as, smart. Yes, yeah. dolphins. That's the first sentence of this pair of this, uh, okay. of this article.
2: I actually wrote this article.
0: Dolphins are thought of as one of the most intelligent species in the animal kingdom, and experts believe they had put have put their ingenuity to the use the pursuit of getting high. An mm. extraordinary scenes filmed for a new documentary. Young dolphins, it's always the young ones, older ones tried to warn them against it. I'm sure there's a dolphin dare program, but it did not work because these young dolphins were seen carefully manipulating a certain kind of puffer fish, which, if provoked, (laughs) releases a nerve toxin. Though large doses of the toxin can be deadly in small amounts. It is known to produce a narcotic effect, and the dolphins appear to have worked out how to make the fish release just the right amount. Ooh. Carefully chewing on the puffer and passing it. They pass it between each other. <laughs> Do they light a fire and just sit around the fire and pass the puffer fish? The marine mammals then enter what seems to be a translate stake. The, be- uh, the behavior was captured on camera by the makers of Dolphins, Ka, colon, Spy in the Pod. A series produced for the BBC One by the award-winning wildlife documentary producer John Downer. But apparently these fish are uppers. Uh, Rob Pilly, a zoologist who has also worked as a producer on the series, said this was a case of young dolphins purposely experimenting with something we know to be intoxicating, etc. etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, It reminded us a few, uh, of the craze a few years ago when uh, young people started licking toads to get a buzz. Um, it was the most extraordinary thing to see. Apparently what they would do after they would... Uh, they began acting uh, most peculiarly. they would peculiarly, they would hang around with their noses at the surface as if fascinated by their own reflection. <laughs> so they'd get high on a puffer fish and just dude. You know
2: what's I I saw. dolphin I, uh, above the ocean <laughs> looks like me.
0: Well, I saw a picture of
2: like a dolphin's brain that was circulated on social media, and it was like it was something along the lines of it would actually be easier to teach a dolphin some form of um, like engineering than it would a human.
0: Ah, too bad they don't have thumbs.
2: Yeah, right. Little idiots. <laughs> dolphins are awesome though, man. Um, um yeah. Have They're you ever kinda, seen a they... dolphin
0: in the wild? No, no, they kind of freak me out to be honest. Because, they freak you out because of how smart they are. They're kind of known to. I, I, this, I'm not making this up. I'm not. I'm not joking here. They are kind of known for getting like with people who go to these resorts and swim with the dolphins. Okay. They're somewhat known for getting a little inappropriate um, oh. with humans. Okay. Yeah, so I, well, don't, I don't need, need to that, hear that. In my life.
2: Do you think we've spent too much time talking about, you know, because we have, like, Planet of the Apes and those movies, and you get to the discussion of, like, well, could, like, chimpanzees or, or monkeys or gorillas, could they, like take over the world if they if they you know had some scientific the planet of the apes
0: it happened because that guy was trying to help his grandpa through uh yeah yeah there's scientific experimentation
2: but like could they take over the world maybe we should be spending more time on dolphins like i think there should be a planet of the dolphins movie yeah i mean find a way to like flood the world
0: they would yeah they they, if that's how they do it they can they can breathe well, yeah, but they can't walk yet. That's got to be what they're working they'll on. Come up with like, you yeah, know, they'll, they'll make little. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll figure something out. You could be right. Um, moving on now. Now, Derek, you're mm-hmm. hungry at night. You may be, uh you're you've had a few. You know, you've had a few mm-hmm. to drink. You're either walking home or you're taking your Uber. Uh, maybe you stop at a McDonald's, a Taco Bell. Maybe you've got leftover, you know, Chinese food at your home. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, if you're a German and you have a craving in the dead of night, uh, these these vending machines, what are they serving, you think?
2: Oh, gosh. Is this going to be something gross? Is it going to be like no, sauerkraut or something?
0: You're on the right track, but no, it's not <laughs> okay. It's not gross. It's not gross. It's I'm just like imagining if it's you. It's something we'd eat.
2: You got like a vending machine, you have to stick your hand in there and like pull the sauerkraut out of like a. Well, a the, it is
0: all packaged. Um, okay. But it is. It isn't sauerkraut, it is uh, bratwurst, though. Oh. Bratwurst, Bockwurst, and various barbecue. Are they already cooked? Yeah. So do you, like, just put it in the microwave? I'm guessing they come prepackaged. Are they cold? Uh, the machines are, quote, booming outside German cities huh. where shops are less likely to stay open. So, you know, bigger cities are going to have, you know, drive throughs and uh, and shops open maybe even 24 hours. In these cities where those aren't the case and the shops are less likely to stay open, this according to a survey by the German Press Agency Especially in structurally weak rural areas, vending machine solutions are becoming increasingly popular, says Heike Richter, an industry spokesperson. Others, check it out, Derek. They're also stocking eggs, milk, butter, fruit, and vegetables, so you can get a full-on meal right out of the vending machine. You know what's going to happen? This is going to be about less people being drunk at night, not being able to go to the market and get food. It's going to be more about, uh, you know, super... Introverted people that don't want to go deal with the d- damn supermarket.
2: It might be. Do you think, because, you know, most people, when you go to like Europe, you go to Italy and it's like, oh, this is the best pasta or pizza I've ever had. You go to Germany, this is the best, you know, whatever beer I've ever had. Do you think if you were to compare, I don't know, I guess in America, I think we do bratwurst pretty well. So maybe this is the wrong comparison. But could you envision a scenario where, as, like, an American, you go over to Germany, and the bratwurst out of the vending machine is better than a lot of just the normal yeah, stuff that they have here.
0: That could be. You could be honest. Though. Like, if you go, if they have these, like, if you can get yourself, a, you know, a meatball out of a vending machine in Rome, <laughs> it may be better like the than... the best meatball you've ever yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an interesting uh, Well, part point. of the reason I asked that, um, I went
2: to Hawaii once when I was a kid. I, was, I don't know, maybe 12 years old or something. And... It was like late at night and me and my friend were there and we wanted something to eat. And there was a McDonald's like right next to the beach, right next to our hotel. So we were just like, let's just go grab a bunch of like chicken nuggets. We'll get like the 20 piece. And in in Hawaii, they give you pineapple with your McDonald's as like a side. Wow. And it was like, if I'm comparing it to regular pineapple in Hawaii, it wasn't as good. But if I were to compare the McDonald's pineapple to just, like, regular pineapple here, it it would blow it
0: out of the water. Interesting. It was insane. Uh, Interesting fact about pineapple, it has an enzyme in it that breaks down protein, so it is the only food that eats you back as you're eating it.
2: So don't eat that in celery, basically. There are
0: over 570,000 vending machines in Germany, but despite their popularity, they are expected to complement rather than replace traditional shops. Um... And so, yeah. How about that? Mm, the more uh, you know. We're going to move on. We got two straight. Um, this one out of Madrid slash Sicily. We've got two straight people arrested in unique ways. <laughs> okay. For our final two stories.
2: You sure these people aren't from Florida?
0: Uh, it's interesting thought, but no. Uh, this guy is from, uh, is from Italy, which, like Florida, is a peninsula. Mm. If I can invoke a little French. Uh, mafia fugitive caught on Google Street View. <laughs> 61-year-old Giacomo Gamino was tracked, to be clear, Gamino, not Gambino. Okay. Giacomo Gamino. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Who cares? He's a crook, even if I got it wrong. Was tracked down. He's going to find you. What? He's going to find that's you. That's a good point. Uh, was tracked down to a town in Spain near Madrid, after a picture showed a man resembling him chatted, chatting outside of a fruit shop. Police had suspected he was in the country but had been unable to find him. Quote, the photograph helped us to confirm the investigation we were developing in traditional ways, said Nicola Altiero, deputy director of Italy's anti-mafia unit. Gamino was going by the name of Manuel, according to Italy's La Repubblica newspaper and had previously worked as a chef at a restaurant called La Cucina de Manu, uh, or Manu's Kitchen. Ooh. A Facebook profile for the now-closed restaurant revealed a photo of Gemino recognizable by a scar on the left side of his chin, and the business even offered, quote, a Sicilian dinner. In the first season of The Sopranos, Tony Soprano goes after a guy who had been a rat against other mafia members, And then in exchange for that, got to live off the grid. Uh, But he was giving away free trips and tours to Italy. And Soprano tracked him down and things didn't work out very well for that guy. Mm. So, Sky, it's like you're asking for it, man. Like, you're on the run. You're on the lam as an ex-member of the mafia. But you're offering Sicilian dinners at your restaurant. The street view that proved his downfall also shows him outside another establishment bearing his fake name. El Huerto de Manu, or Manu's Orchard. Gemino managed to escape from Rome's uh, Rome prison, a Roman prison, in 2002 while a film was being made there, and a year later was sentenced to life for murder. He evaded capture ever since. It was apparently surprised his life uh, in uh, small-town Spain had been uncovered. Now, this goes all the way back to December 17th when he was arrested. He reportedly told police... How did you find me? I haven't phoned my family for 10 years. Street View. Google Maps was started and helped along in large part by a man from the University of Kansas, which is why the center of the world on Google Maps is the lovely Lawrence, Kansas. How about Lawrence, Kansas, putting a crook away? A mafioso, nonetheless.
2: Good for them. Yeah, Lawrence should get some of the, uh, I guess, I don't know. Do you get, like, money for... Finding bad people? I don't know how that works. That's a good question. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Um, we're going to move on to another. This is out of uh, Key, Key West, Florida. This is from the Associated Press. Um, a bunch of uh, A bunch of people from the same industry got... Okay, so what went on was there's a very famous buoy in Key West that marks the furthest south point in the continental United States. And around Christmas time, they decorate this buoy with, among other decorations, a Christmas tree some idiot lit the Christmas tree on fire. They were looking for him, looking for him, looking for him. He was found because he was recognized um, by a bunch of different wait- waiters, waitresses, and bartenders. Why do you think he was so clearly recognized, Derek? I uh,
2: was there literally like one of those like in a movie there's like a picture of wanted on no the- no no oh, okay. no. I don't know why. uh
0: he wasn't freaking tipping anybody oh what a jerk yes the story always remember to tip your mm. server. Otherwise, a, you're going to jail. A That's tourist the the made impre- made a big impression in, Key, in a Key West bar by ordering drinks three times on New Year's Eve without leaving a tip. That enabled the staff to easily track him down after police released webcam video showing vandals setting fire to a Christmas tree. The arson caused more than 5,000 in damage to the city's landmark buoy, marking the southernmost point in the United States, and sent the island's coconut telegraph, which on Key West, the Coconut Tri- Telegraph is just a colloquial term for the gossip all across the island. Um, the Coconut Telegraph gossip chain into High Alert, uh, Miami Herald reporting Tuesday. Like other locals across the city, bartender Cameron Briotti watched the video and recognized the 20-year-old man who had stiffed him at Irish Kevins on Key West's famous Duval Street. Quote, I knew immediately that I had served him and that he had used a card so his name would be on the slips. This guy's a moron. (laughs) The bar's general manager, Dalen Starks, turned to recordings from the ton of cameras that watch over the bar each night and matched the credit card receipts to the timestamp videos of the man and his 22-year-old friend. We could follow them the whole time in and out of the bar, Starks said. We could see them getting rejected from all the girls they were trying to hit on. Armed with their identifications and matching their movements to the vandalism down the street, police swiftly announced arrest warrants for the vandalism suspects and city workers quickly restored the 20-ton concrete monument, which proclaims it stands just 90 miles from Cuba. Key West visitors couldn't wait to pose for more pictures at the spot. So don't be a moron who hits on girls at bars and tip people. You know, if he would have been one of those guys that, like, he could have just as easily gotten in the news. For being one of those guys like, hey, it's around the holidays, and right. this guy tipped his bartender $5,000. Yeah. And nobody would have said a damn thing Jury about it. it would have him. maybe been a little easier on him. So, yeah. So, uh, first off, don't commit arson or vandalism. Secondly, don't commit arson Secondly, and vandalism. Secondly, if you do.
2: No, I'm just joking. Thirdly,
0: <laughs> if you do. Yeah. Tip your servers. <laughs>
2: that's just to do it anyway. Just yeah, tip that's your a good point. Anyway. Even if
0: you're not a crook, tip your servers. Mm-hmm. So that's Around the World with Adam on All this right. fine Wednesday. And we're back
2: in Lawrence, Kansas.
0: This is Rock Chalk Sports
2: Talk. That's Around the World with Adam. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, D Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. NFL divisional round this weekend, the most exciting weekend in football. And it's kind of sad if you—I start getting sad about the season getting close to an end of just football in general between college and pros after this weekend. Because this is—while it's also the best weekend of football, after this there's only three games.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I still, once again, I would like to put out my fervent belief— that the NFL needs to go back to having a third place game you need to pay the players the same like you give them the same like a little less than the Super Bowl bonus but still more than the conference championship bonus um and if you could do that i think maybe the players would agree to it and then you have the conference or the the third place game the night before the um the the, the NFL used to have it. they called it the playoff bowl mm-hmm. um and you have that game the night before the Super Bowl at, you can either have it like the same location every year, like maybe Vegas, or you have it at like next year's Super Bowl location. They also used to actually have, I I know people
2: joke around about this, or there are some people that do do this seriously, where it's like, oh, Alabama would would beat the worst team in the NFL. Did you know they used to do that? They used to have the college all-stars play the, I don't know if it was the worst, the team, in the NFL. team in the NFL. It was just a team in the NFL. Interesting. It used to be called the uh, Chicago College All Star Game. Actually, it looks like it was the Bears a lot of years. It was the Packers some years. No, it might have just been the worst team. Here's Washington, New York Giants. College All Stars actually racked up some wins early in the series. Now this is in like the 30s and 40s where you know there were guys who would win Heisman and then they wouldn't play in the NFL because it wasn't making money. So they it makes sense that they were better. Um, but over the final years of this. You know, it wasn't like blowouts though. Like mm. the last year of it was nineteen seventy six. The Steelers played in it, which I mean, you're talking about a team that decade that won four Super yeah, Bowls. It's twenty four nothing. Although I wonder if there's a lot of the backups that played. They could be. They didn't Probably. even bother.
0: But yeah, I just I think there could be. But I I do agree. This is almost like um, this is like when I'm trying to think of a holiday comparison. It's like when the, when your presents are done being open. Like you're still really excited because you've got all these cool new gizmos and toys on Christmas, but you're you you know the end is approaching, and you've got to wait another year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what this is. I, I agree. It's 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 the best, but it's also like, man, it's coming to an end again.
2: Okay, so what we're gonna do here? We're gonna, you know, there's eight teams left, so there's pretty good amount of of player pool to to pick from. We're each gonna pick a NFL playoff fantasy draft. So, uh, just to clarify here, are we just picking the best players? or Are we going back and forth? And like, if I take a player, you can't take them.
0: Oh, is it like traditional fantasy? Yeah. we okay. can't. No, yeah. Thought,
2: if, if you take a player, I can't take. Them. That's what I thought. You know, you have like the the daily fantasy where it's just you can pick yeah, whatever yeah. players no, you no, want no. in We're, a certain cap. No,
0: yeah, no, we can okay. we can take each other's players. I mean, we can take players yeah. from each other. Yeah.
2: Correct. Um. Okay. So, I I don't know, you came up with the idea, I'll I'll give you the choice. Do you want the first pick, do you want the second and the third?
0: I'll take two and three.
2: Okay, and just to clarify here for the scoring, um, it's just going to be standard fantasy football scoring. PPR. Yeah, PPR, um, point per reception is what that means if you don't know. Uh, It's like, you know, I I don't want to go through every single scoring thing because it's going to take way too long. But for instance... A touchdown, a rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown is worth six. Six, yeah. You know,
0: twenty-five pa- passing yards is a point. What do you want to do for passing touchdowns? Are those five or six? I thought they were four. I think they're four. Do that? All right, let's do that. Four. But whatever, I'm
2: just gonna straight up Google like. Okay. You know, traditional yeah. scoring that whatever
0: be what whatever your common, mm-hmm. um, you know, we could just do it the way we have a fantasy football league that we do with with amongst our friends on the on the um, mm-hmm. the, the sleeper app. Yes. Yeah, we, I mean, if you want to do scoring like mm-hmm. that, regardless. And so we're gonna each draft
2: a quarterback two running backs, two receivers, tight end, a flex, a kicker, and a defense. Yes. And you can draft in whatever order you want. This is a normal fantasy football draft, so I will, uh, I guess, take the first pick since you said Our you're taking two and The only difference is
0: we're doing starters only. You know, This will be a shorter draft because no backup's needed.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: So you're up first, hot shot.
2: Okay, so I'm not going to go quarterback because there's so many good ones that, like, you're, I don't know. No matter what, the number 2 quarterback is still going to be, like, elite. Um, man. I'm going to go with Devontae Adams. He's just really good. You're coming off a bye week. I think the Packers, I have them in the Super Bowl. I think it's a big week for Devontae Adams, so I'll go uh, Devontae Adams number 1, especially in a PPR. The, the crazy thing is, like, if you're looking at the running back list for the teams that are in this thing, it's not like a crazy list, especially because you have guys like Derrick Henry. If if this was, you know, a year ago or if Derrick Henry was healthy, Derrick Henry would be my number one pick here.
0: Yeah. Um. I also want to add that we, this, this is not – we're going to redraft again next week. So this isn't yeah. based on like, oh, man, this team got knocked out. I don't get this player anymore. We're going to draft – with just the four remaining teams next week. Correct. Just for anybody wondering. So you have back-to-back picks. I'm putting everything on these two picks. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill.
2: Okay. Yeah, Um, if if Tyreek Hill has a big game, it's probably Patrick Mahomes had a big game as well. That's always nice when you have the, the quarterback-receiver hookup. Back-to-back picks for me. And now, see, the beauty of this is once one of us fills up on a position, you know you can wait. Like, I can, I can wait to take my quarterback to the last round. Yeah, because I'm not going to get a backup. Right. We're not doing super flex, just doing regular flex. Um, but I'm going to take Cooper Cup, especially PPR League again. He just puts up, like, monstrous numbers. And then I guess I'll go with the first running back off the board or... hmm, The other thing here is, again, like, this is partially all about value. And so this is what I'm going to actually do. You know, if we were doing a real fantasy draft with a bunch of people, this is the fifth pick in the draft. It'd be dumb to take Travis Kelsey number five overall in a draft. But in this, uh, we're watered down to eight teams, and because it's just me versus you, the drop off between Travis Kelsey to the number two tight end, which you could say, I guess you could say George Kittle, but he hasn't been as good this year. Um, you could say Dawson Knox, Rob Gronkowski. I think there's a sizable drop there. I'll take Travis Kelsey. You're also blocking me from getting exactly him. that. That's so, basically what it comes down yeah. to.
0: And that's a fine, you know. That's a, I can't fault you for that strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am now gonna go ahead. I only have haven't one. taken a single running back. Yeah, know. I'm gonna take Aaron Jones.
2: Okay, he gets receiving game for Green Bay. Um, um just really good player. Yeah. Now the Rams. I don't know. Have the a good defense. Is,
0: I don't know. I don't know what Singletary, because the thing about Singletary for Buffalo is he's been really good, but if the fatties for the Chiefs up front play well, then mm-hmm. that may negate him. Um, God, and the Titans have such a good defense. Um, you know, I it, it, this is going to look bad, but I'm going to take Stephon Diggs. I don't think it's bad at all. Well, I mean it um, looks bad because a lot of people listening to us are Chiefs fans.
2: Well, yeah. Somebody was gonna take him though. Yeah. I mean you had to have. So you have just to recap where we're at right now, you have uh Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Jones, Tyree Kill, and Stephon Diggs. I have Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and Travis Kelsey, and now I have um back to back picks. I need running backs. I'm very tempted to take take Cam Akers. He's seen a bigger role coming back from his injury in the postseason. He just had 17 carries against the Cardinals in that Monday Night Football game. Um, Packers are solid against the run, but they're not great either. Now, you know what? I'm going to go with Joe Mixon. Um, he's just been really good this year for the Bengals. The only- they use him a lot.
0: The, the thing about mixon the only downside for mixon is the team they're playing mm-hmm. and and but that that doesn't always mean as much i mean he could still have a great game yeah and then i'm gonna go with my flex
2: debo samuel um he plays <laughs> running back he plays receiver would you were you going to take him here
0: yeah okay well i'm glad i just took him then and I, and to be clear you you can i mean even if you put him in your wide receiver slot you'd still get those rushing yards for him yeah 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 you don't just have to have can him play him as
2: a running back yeah
0: I would say no, but okay. you're still getting it doesn't matter cuz you're yeah, getting right. running back point. You're getting running points for him anyway. All even right, so have, even if you have him in the wide receiver spot. You have back-to-back picks. You
2: need a running back, you need a tight end, you need a flex, you need a kicker, you need a defense.
0: Yep, and I'm going to go Who's Tampa's playing the Rams, right? No. Yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, Correct. yeah. 49ers are playing mm-hmm. the Packers. Um I'm going to take Mike Evans. No, wait. No, no, no. Sorry. I need another running back, don't I? I I do need a flex. Yeah, you need a flex and a Um, running back. So I am going to take Mike Evans.
2: Wow. So that officially bookends. Jamar Chase is not going to get picked.
0: I just would. I mean, I'm so trepidatious about how good that Titans defense is, man. Uh, And, and, I mean, they could really, um, I really think that their front, seven or front five can cause some damage from to joe burrow and their offensive line still isn't good so he just may not have a good chance to throw a lot of balls
2: i just realized i had an ultimate brain fart i didn't take cam Akers. i thought they were playing the packers anyway didn't you take him no i didn't you back off doesn't matter i mean it it works out because uh they're playing the buccaneers and the buccaneers have the number one (laughs) rush defense in the nfl anyway so you're picking again you need a running back tight end kicker and defense
0: yeah I think let me make sure I'm gonna do I should have googled this beforehand it, it, by all by all accounts again I'm putting so much into this and I'm, uh what do we decide We're, we are going um al, uh, uh, what you call it right um aggregate scoring. yes right? not, yeah not one um yeah He he participated in their contact practice. I'm gonna take Henry. Okay. See, this is a risk. I'm putting so much into this. Well, you could either get like you
2: know classic Derrick Henry, and then you're gonna win, or he might play ten snaps.
0: That's the problem. It's it's killer. Like he's not a safe pick, but he's a high, um, high level pick.
2: So now I have back to back picks, and this is again where the strategy comes in. You have used up all your running back picks. You've used your quarterback picks. I need one more running back. I need one more quarterback. You used your flex. But because I know you can't take anymore, I might as well wait to the next two rounds. So I can get the first pick at the kicker in defense here. I think with defense, you're looking at... Man. Okay, so Tampa Bay has a good defense, but the Rams have a good offense, and the Rams played really well offensively against the Bucs last time, so I don't want to do that. I don't really want to do the Bills or the Chiefs. Both those teams have offenses that have the capability of really going off I'm basically between do I do the Bengals against the Titans because I don't totally trust Ryan Tannehill and even if the Titans win this game I can't envision the the Titans doing it because they scored you know like 35 points or something or do I go with the Packers because you're playing Jimmy Garoppolo even though Kyle Shanahan is a really good coordinator I think I'm gonna go with the Bengals I have the Bengals winning this game. Like I said, I can't envision the Titans putting up this offensive outburst. I'll go Cincinnati as my defense. And then I will take my kicker. Hmm. This is just a crapshoot. Uh I don't know. I'll just I'll go carry Harrison Bucker.
0: All right. So I need a kicker, a defense, and a tight end, right? Yes. Sorry, who did you pick right before Harrison Butker?
2: Cincinnati defense.
0: Okay. So I am going to go and go continue with my theory that I don't know how well the Rams will play. Um, I I think they came off a win against the Cardinals team that had all but quit, uh, particularly by halftime. So I'm taking Rob Gunkowski.
2: Okay. And that's that's interesting because you had
0: a couple choices there. Uh, Yeah, Dawson Knox was actually ranked ahead of him. Yeah, George Kittle. Kittle was there, um, yeah. Ultimately, I'm, I'm going. I'm again. I'm. This is. I may look stupid, but um, and and maybe I'm sure that um, the everyone in the offices of the Los Angeles Rams are listening to this and they're going to take down notes and use this <laughs> as motivation. I just, I don't mm-hmm. know that they're going to play particularly well. Um, I think they're going to be. You know, Tampa Bay had to play last week too. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just, I, I'm not. I wasn't impressed with the Rams coming down the stretch. They looked really good Monday night, but I also think that had a lot to do with the opponent um, because the, the the Cardinals were absolute butt coming down the stretch in the final weeks of the season. Um, so moving on.
2: Kicker or defense? Yeah,
0: I'm trying to think. Who do you, who gets more points there? Defense, theoretically, would get more points, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, unless the kicker made a bunch of, I don't know, 50-yard field goals or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Man, that Packers, just, that Packers defense is ranked tops. Um, let's see. I don't. I mean, I it doesn't matter because either one, yeah. whichever
2: one you take, I've already taken mine.
0: I know, but it still matters. I still have to have one. Yeah, I'm just saying it doesn't matter which order you take them. Oh, I understand that. Um, So I'm going to go I'm I'm known I got to I got to be quick here cuz it's not interesting radio with me just stay, sitting here thinking. Um you know what? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hope the Chiefs kind of hurry up Josh Allen a little bit cuz if you hurry him up, especially if he gets behind, he's prone to mistakes. I think he's had a career high for interceptions this year with 15. Um so I'm I'm going to think the Chiefs get a turnover at least uh, at least one or two and I'm going to take the Chiefs. Okay,
2: I am going to finish out my side of the draft. I need a running back. I'm going to take Jet McKinnon. I, I thought for a second there about Cam Akers, number one run defense, don't love it. Um, I am a little worried. Uh, Daryl Williams didn't practice today, but Clyde did. How much is Clyde going to take away from the, the play time of Jet McKinnon? I hope it's not a ton. because
0: The biggest problem, and I'm, I'm not even talking about this from a fantasy strategy standpoint. I'm talking about this from a, mm-hmm. a, a Chiefs fan standpoint. My worry is that, that Andy Reid is going to go back to just Clyde Edwards-Alaire being the only guy because he never does running back by committee. He does running back co- by committee over the course of a season, but what he does on individual any individual game is he just rides the horse until it can't go anymore.
2: Yeah, I'm worried about that too. I'm worried that it's going to be the Clyde show when Jet has shown that he is a better fit for this offense. Um, so I'll, I'll go Jet McKinnon, and then I need my quarterback. This is tough. Do I go Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Niners have a good defense. Do I go Joe Burrow? Titans have a really good defense. Do I go Tom Brady? I mean, I don't know. Aaron Donald gets a bunch of interior pressure, and that's kind of the Achilles heel there of, of
0: Tom. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I'm gonna go with Josh Allen. I I think from a fantasy standpoint, you're you know you're getting a bunch of rushing yards because he's that's true. Yeah, know,
0: that'll help. Could, Willie Gay could be the difference between whether or not you score a bunch in this.
2: Yeah, I just. I think that the Chiefs defense is obviously a lot better than it was the first time they played the Bills, and you have certain guys that are there that weren't. I still just don't know how easy it's going to be to stop Josh Allen. So I'll take Josh Allen, and that leaves you with, uh, what is it, Mr. Uh, Irrelevant? Yeah. it works out that it's a kicker.
0: I'm taking Mason Crosby. I think he's going to, at mm, the very least, Mason I, think, I think he's going to get a chance at some... Um at some extra points, I also think there's something to be said about the 49ers defense, maybe even forcing some forty yard field goals, uh, which would be what that's four, yeah, there's points. points yeah, mm-hmm. so i I um I'm going Mason Crosby. okay. that is our uh,
2: fantasy drafts. You have Mahomes, Aaron Jones, Henry Hill, Diggs, Gronk, Evans, Crosby, and Casey defense. I have Josh Allen, Mixon, jet McKinnon, Adams Cup kelsey samuel bucker and cincinnati and uh we'll just standard score that and see who wins all right this is rock chalk sports talk with adam dravetta i'm derek johnson on fm 1017 1320 klwn and klwn.com depend on it five o'clock hour you're listening to rock chalk sports talk on klwn klwn klwn.com coming up in about an hour Hawk Talk very briefly here, at least on KLWN. The full edition will be on our sister station, 105.9 KISS, and then we will have KU Women's Basketball looking to get a big win in Manhattan against Kansas State tonight here on KLWN. You know,
0: I just I just realized something. With, mm-hmm. with KLWN being the call letters here at 1320, if you ran this whole company, Derek, you could have 105.9 KISS, mm-hmm. you could have 1320 KILL, and then you'd <laughs> need to find a Mary station.
2: Ah, see what you did there. Yeah. Hilarious. Okay. Um, we did Rock chuck Pickahawk last night for the game against Oklahoma. I have the tallies up in front of me.
0: That tally.
2: Christian Brown had 23 for me. Ochai had just 11 for you. He had the rough game.
0: Yeah, but you should double that because of the injury. Yeah. Just to be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, even if I did, it Wouldn't would not change the me. outcome. One way or another. Okay. You either beat me or you didn't, were down by enough Beat it didn't me,
0: you, Yeah, it, yeah. Either either that oh didn't change the difference. Mm-hmm. Jalen had a big game for me. Thirty points.
2: He was awesome. What, sixteen points, eight rebounds. Uh, Dave was not great in the game last night, but this is the value of rebounds. He had nineteen for you in Rock Chalk pick a Hawk. Um, same with Mitch. He got you nineteen as well. Had a boy. Dewan Harris got me ten. Bobby Pettiford didn't even play. That's something we didn't talk about. That was interesting. I thought for sure he would have played, but I also am not surprised at the same point in time. Like, my justification for picking him was he's been playing 10 minutes a night in his two games back, and that's even with him not playing well. Um, What happens if he does play well? But it turns out, I think Bill Self, after his comments, back-to-back press conferences where he was like, you know, it's a little unfair what we're doing to Bobby coming back off the injury, inserting him right away against tough defenses with pressure without much practice, it's just not setting him up for success, and I think he took a step back and said, "Well, let's let him get more comfortable before we put him back in the game." Um, and then you had Jalen Coleman lands got you a negative two. Oh. Joe Yesfu only played two minutes; he got you a zero.
0: And mm. Remy Martin only got me six. So I, I so off the top of my head, I, I I only have did I only have three players that got me <laughs> positive numbers? Yes, and they got what thirty eight plus eleven. There's no chance I won. That's 49 points minus the two, 47. Great. I don't, I don't think 47 was enough to get the victory.
2: It was not. Yeah. Uh, Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson got me 53 combined. Yeah. So that'll do it right there. Um, I had 69 total. Eh. Nice. Um. So I am now five. So even if you
0: double up Ochai because of the injury, you only I, you still beat you me by 58. what? Ten? Eleven? Yeah.
2: If I tripled Ochai though, we'd tie.
0: Woo-hoo. Let's Think about that.
2: <laughs> um. So that ends a you run should of the least, You should you. at
0: least, like, quadruple his last minute, last few minute points because he had the, the, the couple of the more. threes, he had the drive, and he had the game, what turned out to be the game-sealing assist. That that assist, what's an assist work, worth in Rock Chalk-Pickhawk? Two or three? Two points. That, that assist should be worth 20. Of course, by that math, Christian Brown's three should be worth, what, then 30, so never mind.
2: Well, even if it was worth 20, you'd lost damn <laughs> we should we add that should we add like if you had a game winning shot it's worth double no that specific points no, no okay see so, yeah, how about we'll, we'll how about like Friday. how about this
0: if you hit this would be a fun one how about if you hit it doesn't even have to be game winning if mm-hmm. you hit a shot half court or further back it's worth um like it that would be typically worth three points because you just get one point per point scored. How about you get a bonus of two points if you hit a shot half-quarter further?
2: (laughs) Hmm. What if it, like, doesn't even impact the game? That doesn't matter. You're down, like, seven, and you just hit a half-quarter?
0: Or, you know, but it could. I mean, think about this. Like, what if it's at the end of a half, not the end of a game?
2: We'll workshop it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's not worth more in the game, so why should it be worth more for us, I guess?
0: Because it's fancier.
2: And what do we call a half-quarter, you know? Like if if you're a foot inside the half court line, is it still half? No, court No, shot? no, no,
0: no. You have to be half court or beyond.
2: Hmm. Nah, we'll discuss. I mean,
0: we have a an assist isn't definitively worth more than a than a point in an actual basket in um real basketball.
2: Hmm.
0: I don't know. It's it's tough
2: when it's non quantifiable because yeah. then we're gonna have to like remember everything that happened. That's true. That makes it tougher. Uh unsung heroes for the night. We started this yesterday. Joe Yesfu was the unsung hero for me in West Virginia, and he played two minutes against Oklahoma. I don't know. This is tough with who the unsung hero would be. I think you could argue Mitch Lightfoot. He came in there, had a couple nice dunks. I thought he was he was really solid for K U off the bench. Maybe KU's interior defense wasn't great with him out there. I don't know. It's harder to find unsung heroes last night because it was it was the normal guy. Yeah, yeah, it was it
0: was it was kind of, and, and they kind of owned it. Like it wasn't like one dude stepped up. It wasn't like DeWan, who's not one of the normal guys, but happened to step and get, you know, ten points.
2: Yeah, and as Jesse pointed out, like it was it was kind of a rough game for DeWan, missing all those layups. hmm
0: Um, I don't know. I think it has
2: to be Mitch Lightfoot. Uh, Of the bench guys, he's... It's him or Remy Martin who played significant minutes. But even then, like, Remy Martin, it's not an unsung hero. Mitch gave you 14 minutes, 9 points, 6 rebounds, 4 of 5 from the field. Like I said, those couple dunks. I don't know how great it was from interior defense, but that, to me, is what you're talking about with an unsung hero. We weren't really talking about after the game, can you believe how well Mitch played? You know, it was Jalen or Ochai down the stretch or... Um, what's going on with Remy Martin?
0: You could, I'll say this. David McCormick had three assists and no turnovers, which is not something you expect out of a big man, especially a big man named David McCormick.
2: Well, and in a game where I, KU only ended up with 13 turnovers, which isn't a ton. They had a lot they had for five a between, They had five between yeah.
0: two players in Martin and Jalen coleman land. So
2: maybe that would be a good one. That one feels like to me like an underrated hero. What's the difference? Because, well, with, I guess it's it's more of a syntax thing than anything. With with unsung heroes, I I don't know. I guess that is the same thing that we weren't really talking about, Dave. Yeah, and he he had a solid game. So yeah, that's fine. If you want to go, with David. McCormick, I'll, I'll, I'll go, Dave,
0: likely. and I'm going to give my reason. Initially, I was leaning Mitch because he had the most offensive rebounds. He was tied for the most offensive rebounds, but of the the two guys he was tied with are Christian and Ochai, and obviously they can't be unsung because we're talking a bunch about them. Um, but I, I'm going to go Dave McCormick because he did—he only had one offensive rebound, which we talked about might be important for the Jayhawks last night because extra possessions against a good defensive team. But um, I, I really I like that, you know, I, again – Understanding that this is a very difficult one because so much was done by three guys. Um, I'm going to go David McCormick, but I do think that there are going to be games in the future where our unsung heroes do a lot more than David McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot did last night.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's good. If we were picking like a specific sequence or play or plays of unsung heroes, I would almost go toward... The the last two free throws by Christian Brown that one might seem too obvious but because Christian Brown hit the three mm-hmm. you almost feel like oh that's that just won them the game they also had to hit those two free throws because think about that if they don't who's if they don't make those two free throws it was a one and one I think too yeah Oklahoma's just grabbing and going, and going off the break and that, or that... It, it changes the precipice of what you need
0: yeah and, and that and and yeah that's a huge. Uh, at the very, you know, him hitting those means that that OU has to take a three, which means you can change the way you're playing defense. Uh, you you have the the understanding of knowing that if you unless you do something catastrophically dumb like allowing a um, a four point play, then you're at least, at the very least you you know you're going to overtime. Um, I would say who was the big man uh, when Ochai hit his layup late because somebody had a great seal. That might have been Jalen. That was Mitch. Was that Mitch? Yeah. So that that seal, I might, I might give that one um, that because that seal was beautiful. Yeah, it was. And and I the mean, as, Lucas seal of approval. It, it was great. As 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 important as Ochai, and as great as Ochai is with his quickness, and to me, as much as people talk about his shooting, which is the I think the most celebrated and rightly the most celebrated part of Ochai's game this year, his freaking driving has he's gotten so much quicker. And, but as quick as he's gotten to drive. That seal was beautiful and guaranteed a made layup. I mean, it, well, it, not, not yeah. guaranteed, but well, guaranteed a wide open layup. That was my unsung hero. So I would, I, I would say that seal is an unsung moment.
2: Yeah. And also, I, I think the other one would be, I don't even remember the name of the guy who shot the last shot for Oklahoma. He That shot was an unsung hero, taking a... Taking a, a heave three-quarter when didn't court need shot to? when he had two more seconds yeah. to dribble, that was he could have t- got up past half court yeah. easily. That was a that was that was a win for yeah. KU because they were going to foul. They said the intention was to foul, but then when they got it in so deep, they didn't end up doing it, and they didn't have to. Otherwise, you either get in a situation where they do take a three to tie it, or you get in a situation where they're shooting a free throw to make the first, trying to miss the second, which. I've seen happen. I, I saw it happen. It was, I think, Oklahoma-Texas Tech or something like that a year or two ago. Um, but they ended up not being able to, like, make the shot at the end. But they did basically do exactly what you're supposed to do. Make the first and then miss the second, get the rebound, and then uh, set up another shot. So those would be the unsung heroes of the game. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Again, we'll have Hawk Talk coming up shortly. K-Women's basketball with a big opportunity tonight, taking on Kansas State. That a little after the 6 o'clock hour. This is RCST.